Welcome to another episode of Hibernate in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me, as always, are... Dan. Ward. Mike. And Steve. Okay, moving directly past that abomination, let's get into uh, This Week in Hobby. Steve, what did you do? I painted some things. What did you paint, Steve? What? In the summer? Uh, Wait, was it those tie rods? (laughs) They were the tie rods! No, that doesn't count. They were car parts, (laughs) so you can skip me. You know what? I actually, I was here for that. And to be fair, the technique with the spray bomb was very artistic. Mm -hmm. Oh, I will tell you right now that uh, I am the best spray bomber in terms of car painting. Most people just glob it on, but I've got a technique. Mm -hmm. So It was very impressive. Can you uh, share how you learned that technique (laughs) for spray bombing tie rods? From this uh, podcast. I learned it all in our priming episode. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I'm into it. Take home lesson. And if you ask me which number that is, I have absolutely no clue. So you'll have to figure that out in your own listeners. <laughs> Mike, tell what us uh, what journey, you did. A journey of discovery. Okay, what did I do? I almost finished the two lieutenants for the Primus Space Marines. I finished okay. the five uh, brutes. Still doing those in your uh, Ultramarines colors? Yep. Those tents? Cool. Yes, of course. And I finished uh, ten hard boys. And I started the Beetle for yeah. Ariel. Oh, cool. So, yeah. yeah. And I played Warhammer at Warhammer in Calgary this weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Had a and good time. Got you. drunk a little, maybe. Oh. What? I'm Coffee sad I missed me. out. <laughs> Warhammer's always fun. It's always a good event. <laughs> Worth your time. One, uh, it's probably one of the... One of the institutions of events that are running over. I keep saying that even if you don't like uh, Age of Sigmar or whatever it's been since, you know, way, way back. Yeah. Um, Warhammer. Yeah, Warhammer, I guess. It's the only thing it's been. It was a really good time. Uh, James won best for it. been a year ago. <laughs> Surprising. Oh, you're no surprised, one. right? You're surprised? Yeah. Fedor won. I guess it's the wooden spoon type thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The E for effort prize? Yeah. It was a coffee mug instead. Well done, Chris. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. All right. And I won best hobbyist. Nice. Well done, man. Congratulations. And a bubble starter kit I got, too, from the raffle. Nice. Like you the starter box? Yeah, like the big box. The big Nice. Box. <laughs> uh, what did you play? Uh, my uh, Iron Jaws. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yep. That's super cool. The orcs. Who won the? Oh, who, who won? Who won? We've talked about all the other trophies. Who like won the event? Won the event? Okay, so there's there's there was best general and there's a best overall. Okay, uh, I don't ask me to remember last names, but Mitch won best overall and Bradshaw. Graham won <coughs> best general. <coughs> cool, nice. All right, Warder, what about you? Uh, I have been cleaning Build. some more stuff. I was going to say building scenery. And I've been working on a bunch of uh, I was gonna say, scatter train. Are you, are you right getting now, into so. the Doctor Who miniature game? Because I saw you doing a whole <laughs> bunch of Tardises. 
Well, I didn't paint them blue. I did paint them no. the traditional red phone booth. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm finishing off a bunch of scattered train from uh, Knights of Dice. So, phone booths, uh, dumpsters, Are you uh, painting crates. brick with chalk like a boss? No, but I did watch that video, and I was like, that is... Sidewalk chalk, how to paint scenery, go. Pretty smart, actually. Really? So, yeah. Yeah, all the brickwork, he's just, like, grinding this, like, khaki um, chalk into the side of the brickwork that's all painted, and then just, like, gets a rag and, like, wipes it off. And, then and you're like, that actually looks really fucking good. <laughs> Huh. Yeah. Wow. I'm guessing you just varnish it after? Yeah. Yeah, you can just seal it when it's done, but yeah, you just keep adding and removing. I guess that's basically weathering powder. So you yeah, finish exactly. your you finish your brick with a rag on a stick. Well, yeah, you can. Okay. What else are you working <laughs> on? Sorry, Ward. Derailed there. Uh, yeah, no, just uh, working on, on a bunch of terrain, um, that, all that scatter stuff right now, and uh, yeah, go from there for uh, next week. You decided anything for your 40K, what you're going to work on? You decided on a on an army that you might want to play for for Vegas. I, I don't think I'm going to play 40k. Fists. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to play 40k I would in love Vegas. That so much. Yeah. It would not be yellow. No, it, it would, would, not, it would still be, be fisty. Yellow. You're not going to play 40k in Vegas. I don't think so. But how are we going to play in the team event on the Sunday? Yeah, that means you have to bring it down us. Yeah, I was army. just saying you can paint two armies, Steve. <laughs> you have two armies, Steve. I have more than two armies. We could we could make this work. <laughs> you could honestly, I have no plans for Sunday, so you could just like transport down a bunch of forty k armies, and we could all play. I actually could do that. I think I could supply all of us with armies. Why don't you just write everybody's list too? Uh, how many do you need? Is it three? I think it's three. Sure, I don't know. Three or four? I don't think I could do four. Four would be a stretch. Like four good armies. Oh, oh we don't need four. We, dude, we didn't need four good armies. We just need four armies. Oh, then I could probably make it, make it happen. There are two <laughs> people be playing Eldar. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever. Oh no, no. One person plays Sally's. Uh, I don't think that's too. Well, maybe at two thousand points, be pretty close. We haven't fought him. The Land Raider. Anyways. Yeah. We digress. Just Vulcan as a stand-in for Gullyman. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Actually, apparently Salamander's chapter tactics look insane. Like really good. Anyways. Dan, how about you? I moved and just got a house inspection and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, not a lot of hobby. Hi, me and you are tied. Nice. Not a lot of hobby. Tom. Oh, man. So, before lock and load, I painted up another 10 Forge Guard, four Gun Bunnies, an Avalancher, and a Boker. Those sound made up. I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, what's a Boker? An Ogren Boker? It's like the shield guy with the big halberd. What does he boke? All the things. The ladies. Mm. Um, okay. He's basically a shield guard uh, for your warcasters or any other model. Um, then I went to lock and load, played in lock and load, had a lot of fun, got back, and started building my Cephalix. That also nice. sounds made up. It does, but they're actually pretty cool. And I've got, I realized when I got back, I have enough of the like gobber um, drudge models to do two full units of Mindbenders. Wow. I know all those words. <laughs> so, <laughs> my, my explanation so was definitely famous. So, you're going to build two roller coasters? Yes. <laughs> Try to stay on the track. So, la- so, two years ago when Cephalix came out, there was the Gobber Bodger, uh, or the Gobber Drudge. I'm just still not convinced these are real words. So, the Drudges are like the, the mindless automaton, kind of like half cyborg y, half. Shitty dude uh, minions in the in the big units. Okay, so the Cephalix are the or the overlords that are controlling yep. those minions. Yeah, yeah. And there's a special edition model that came in a bo- uh, blister of three, 
where you could replace those with gobbers, like goblins instead of humans. Oh, with the I same see. kind of helmets. I and see. And so like the weird thrall, like yeah. looking models. Yeah, that exactly. Could actually, have goblins in there. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So I've got two full units of I goblin see. thralls. That's pretty awesome. So I'm pretty excited. So about So you that. must have found many of those special edition models. Uh, I just bought a fuck ton of them last year. Like, oh, so they only sold them at Lock and Load, but yeah. you can buy as many as you want. Yeah. And apparently, I just bought like all the blisters. I bought that's, six blisters of them last year. That's <laughs> dumb. But yeah. Pretty awesome. You have questionable judgment, sir. Very. But it was awesome. So I, I did that, started building them, and then I reorganized my hobby room because I didn't like how it felt. You needed more room for made-up words. Yes. Well, and realistically... For, for the boking. Oh, so much boking. Um, well, although, it, it was one of those things where the room just didn't quite feel right. And now it feels better. So are you into, like, feng shui or something now? No, it was just really awkward, because the cabinets were kind of between the desks, and so it was hard to get into the miniatures. I get that. I, as much as I'm making fun of you, I, I Yeah, it, it was that. way more functional, but it also, like, feels better, because it used to be everything was on two walls, and now it's dispersed amongst three. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Much better. Way better. That's awesome. So. Um, I'm going to start with Shut Up and Take My Money. <gasps> okay. Because we're just going to go in reverse order, I think. Sure. sure. I for me, I wasn't gonna do it, but Grimkin. Oh, I picked up, I, I picked up a couple models. Like there was a limited edition Hollow Man while I was down at Lock and Load, and there was also uh, I'm, I ordered the box now that I'm back, just because places here locally sell it for the U.S. retail. Mm. So when I was down there, it'd be like thirty percent more just to buy it when I was in the states. Okay. So the other thing. Privateer Press announced at Lock and Load they are doing a mini crate service. So it's a monthly subscription, and you get a limited edition model that is an alternate sculpt of a previously existing model for the game. Huh. That's so cool. There's going to be so many on eBay. Well, the neat thing about it is that as <laughs> soon as as soon as they send them all out to people that subscribed, they are destroying the molds and going to make a video of it. So they're actually having, they have people that are like getting licenses for pyrotechnics because they're going to take it in the parking lot and destroy these molds in as glorious fashions as possible. Okay, so they're, they're, that's, I don't know how I feel about this. I think this is a neat idea from like a, a subscription model if they offered it like as a discount, right? Like instead of like buying, it's like the idea you buy the mega yeah, what does this stamps? cost? Uh, it costs $17 a month US. So basically the cost of a lesser. Yeah. I would have seen it like a like a magazine subscription, right? Where you buy the whole year up front and you get a like discounted. Per if you buy price. in six month intervals, you get an additional free model. Oh, interesting! So like an extra issue is kind of yeah. what I'm making this in. Yeah. My, so if my head. let's say you did a twelve month subscription, you would get fourteen models instead of twelve. Interesting. But they're but neat. They're, they're not necessarily for armies that you play. No. But they're cool, and they're using this as an excuse to do silly, random fucking models. So, like, there is a sheep in DeWolf's clothing, which is... This Gorman DeWolf is one of the classic mercenary characters in the game. And a sheep in DeWolf's clothing is, like, kind of a pinup girl in, like, a big sheep's wool kind of suit. But she's got all, like, the gear of Gorman DeWolf. You know... Like, like it's silly. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that I, it's... I can understand that you enjoy this. Uh, are you, are you lying? Uh, I'm waiting to see, because when they launched it, 
they didn't have anything set up for Canadian distribution or, or shipping because it was oh. like free shipping to the States, free shipping to the UK. And if you're paying like $10 a month for shipping or something, that would get real bad real fast. Yeah, so they're currently working with various uh, suppliers to figure out, like or providers I guess the word is, to find out what the best shipping rate could be into Canada. And then once they have that finalized, I'll decide whether or not I'm going to pull the trigger. I like this idea, but what I would have rather seen it be is you you sign up for the subscription service, you get the model at a discounted rate, but not destroying the molds. I actually I don't know how I feel about that. Well, they're all every model you get is if you did not subscribe to it, you don't get it ever okay, again. Okay, so my thing is, what happens if they screwed up my order and I never received my model and the mold is destroyed? Honestly, they're probably going to make sure that that all okay. happens first. Like it. They are a pretty put together company. I don't. I don't predict that. Or you can just make an ex, like a certain percentage of extras or something. Just yeah. To, yeah. There's going to be some kind of a variance for any. But kind still, of I I like seeing those kind of things like stick around. They're like if I if I get into the game later on, I can still have that model. You know, like without no, having to can. pay eBay. The prices. difference is though, all of these are just alt sculpts. So no, I, I get that, and that's why I don't. I'm not like. It's not like going to be the Imperial Space Marine where it's clearly just better than a regular Space Marine and you can't now get it kind of thing. Like, that would be dumb. Unless you buy... Well, no, they do come in every third package of Bounty Paper Towel. You can find one of those Space Marines. That's true. I usually find an Imperial Space Marine in a Paper Towel roll. That is that is where they hide out. It's their natural habitat. Four months. Them and House Hippos. (laughs) (laughs) No, I... I think it's cool. <coughs> I'm interested to see how it goes. I just wish they wouldn't destroy the molds yeah. and they'd keep them around a little longer. You know, That's maybe fair. after that year subscription or something. I don't know. Yeah, and, and uh, they, honestly, what they're saying is like the molds will be destroyed after they've been distributed. Sure. We don't know exactly what those details sure. are, but it's designed to make it so that being part of the subscription service, service, and you can also buy a month at a time. I'm interested to see how this goes. This is basically a loot crate. It's, it's a loot crate for miniatures. There's already a loot crate for miniatures. But this is specifically also. from one manufacturer yeah. and limited edition four models yes. that are limited edition in their game. It's not like I subscribe Correct. to like mini crate or like loot crate for miniatures and get like random random stuff that you uh, like a dystopian wars bullshit <laughs> model that I'm never going to use. You know a what I mean? Frigate. Let's go with frigate. Or like or an American <laughs> robot a bullshit or something. Model. You know what I mean? Or no, like a dystopian legions like infantry or like tank models for dystopian wars like yeah this is great i got random stuff i'm never gonna use this at least Fair these enough, ones and they are announcing ahead of time what each one is so if you want it you can get it yeah fair enough it's not going to be secret that much like they've already announced what the first three or four are so cool no sounds pretty well thought out damn how about you i probably spent more money than anybody else this week oh I'll wait on the house. That doesn't count. That's not a hobby. Okay. It's a one-to-one scale miniature of a house. That's... (laughs) Yeah, you know what? No. Point Dan. (laughs) I bought way more terrain than anybody else. So that's all my money. (laughs) That's... None of the things you just said I can argue with. You did buy more terrain than anyone else this week. (laughs) Well... Well, we'll have to see your hobby room. We'll, I mean, I'm excited to see I'm that. I'm interested to see uh, that terrain at the next event. Well, it's... No. <laughs> I'm not moving it. Too much hassle. <laughs> they do have large uh, Tupperware tubs, I think, that it could fit in. Oh, that might help. Yeah. Dude, it would be steel. perfect scale for Battletech. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I've been working on some yeah. one-to-one scale Battletech, so... It's necessary. <laughs> That's very different. <laughs> okay, well, it's, it's very slow progress. Do you have a garage that's a new house? Yeah. 
That's part one, of me. No, you could not do one to one scale battle tech in any residential I garage. Could put, like, I could put like the toe of a mech in the garage. That's yes. what, honestly, that was my first thought was like, there's going to be a part of a mech. It might be like a pinky finger of like the tiniest <laughs> the mech on the planet. Fusion reactor. Who knows? Yeah, I'll start like, with the fusion reactor. Or That's no, reasonable. You got to start with the heat sink. Just a weird block of what, aluminum. What if you're yeah. not. You need something to sink heat from. Yeah, the garage. No, yeah, we're, you probably want to start with that fusion reactor. I think you should go with a nice tokamak pattern. Anyways. <laughs> Either way, like, <laughs> bullshit aside, Bordo? <laughs> uh, well, I thought it was going to be an actual, like, hobby spending, but uh, I dropped a bunch of money at uh, Green Stuff World this uh, last week. Yeah. Got some rollers? I picked up pretty much all of the rollers. So When are you getting them? <laughs> There's already uh, a few people who have called dips. <laughs> yeah, uh, I ordered them last week, so probably within two weeks is my guess. So oh, it's gonna be getting close because I'm really curious for how I want to base my cephalix. Yeah, no, I I ordered like all the like the runic ones, uh, dark runes, uh, dark ritual. I think it's called Greek, Egyptian. Uh, your cobblestone, your hexes. Yeah, he's got them all. Yeah. Literally uh, caught You want base there. rollers? I got base rollers! <laughs> yeah, so I even ordered the little stand for the base rollers. So oh. Wait, what? They come with a little stand? Uh, there's a stand that can hold 25 base rollers, so yeah. So. <laughs> for the love of fuck! You got 25? I didn't get 25 rollers, but I could hold up to 25 rollers should I buy more rollers. Jesus Christ! I thought you said you got all the rollers. I probably got like 15 rollers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of fucking rollers, Warren. <laughs> I'm excited to see this how, and how they work. I so, actually really am looking forward to this. Yeah, and then we'll uh, we'll be able to do uh, a demo day and with all of you guys and try to roll off. We could, and, and then can't. So you can when you roll the stuff out. Yes, you can. Like once it dries, the idea is you break it up. Depending on what you want to do, like okay. if you glue it like directly to a base, we'll, we'll do an actual. Because I want to do itself. like scatter terrain on some of my models with like some of the because some of the stuff looks really fucking cool. If, if you do it in like the uh, the not the plaster, what am I thinking of? Um, the clay. Yeah. You do it in the in the clay after you bake it. Yeah, you can break it into chunks and everything like that. And Justin Clark did that yeah. with uh, his dwarves. I know. Uh, so it just depends on if you want chunks, chunks of broken stone, or, or you, you can do like want, green stuff in the I base do, and do cobblestone just, for the whole just thing. Just side note, you know how fast he painted that, right? Twenty four hours. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, so like, so like, too, like you know? the deep, the deep recesses on like a lot of the dark age ones. Yeah, if you filled that with like the green stuff or whatever, and then did a roll right over top, then you're not having to buy base inserts or whatever. Yep. And go from yep. there. So well, I only need two more base inserts, but that's without a point. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to see those. Lots, lots on that, and then yeah, we'll talk about it when it all shows up. So I'm cool. super excited for that. If you need a house to store your roller stand in, I have one. <laughs> Not yeah. yet. Soon. If you need a sweet-ass hobby room that's been recently renovated. <laughs> you have so. your own house. I think that's probably where they're going to stay, is my guess. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Steve. <laughs> Mike, how about you? My shut up, take our money is Forge World Blood Bowls. I was going to say, is it the stuff right in front of you right now that you couldn't wait to? Is it the really fat rat? Yeah, it's the really fat rat. Oh my the god, he's my spirit rats, animal. The extra team member rats, <laughs> and of course some special team <laughs> weapon goblin carrying like chainsaw bombs guys, and shit. Yeah. which looks like a fucking hockey player. Yeah, the chainsaw's got that little bit of like a, a hook group at the bottom, so they don't have the poker though. Oh, that's bit. gonna be a second kit. That's the second because oh, the doom diver's not in this one either. Yeah, yeah. But more importantly, can we all talk about Glart Smash Rip? Oh my god, 
Is he the coolest rider one? Yes. <laughs> Even his football that comes with it has a big bite taken out of it. That's amazing. <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. He's, uh, his, his, oh, that's so sweet. He actually, that's <laughs> perfect. Got the teeth marks and everything. That's amazing. It's out of the warp stone. Yeah, it's yeah. warp stone. Oh. He yeah. took a bite of warp stone? Took yeah. a, take a look at this. He took a bite of the warp stone football. <laughs> that's a bad life choice. Yeah, that's not good for anyone. Have you seen how big he is? I think he's made a, I don't think he cares at this point. I'm what are his teeth can. made out of? Uh, probably warp stone. It's <laughs> <laughs> my guess. I think the question of like, what is blank made out of on this model? And the answer is probably a combination of lard and warp stone. Yes. Yeah. His, uh, the background for that model is hilarious, too. Like, I love the fact that he's been ejected from many games for eating referees. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> he just consistently eats so, refs. Here's the thing about Blood Bowl. It's fucking amazing. I can't reiterate this enough. It's so much fun, and everything they're doing is silly and enjoyable. And when Forge World's getting in on making these, like, absurd models, mm-hmm. it's just, there's a lot of buy-in from everybody. Yeah, this, this makes me, this model alone. I've, I've, so I played Blood Bowl... More than a few times with uh, with friends. Don't have my own stuff. Uh, you can just steal mics. I know. I know. I know, guys. I the need to pick up poses. Yeah, they're pretty scaven. sweet. They're pretty fucking sweet. And the, headed scaven? the thing is, is I never wanted to paint up any of the initial like orc or human teams because yeah. they were kind of just. Yeah, I do, I'm not a huge fan of orcs. Yeah. Uh, the humans were pretty generic, like good sculpts, but nothing. They're always going to be generic. So what, no what's, the, what's the problem that I don't understand? No I really like the Skaven. So just buy the Skaven. Why do you need a board or something? Because I need, I need, I, no, I just need to finish the things that I have on my painting table. No, I don't. Already? I don't. No, I don't. Dude, this will take you a week or two. Uh, everybody says that, but that was what I also said about my Infinity and <laughs> my Drop Zone. Yeah, but you, you, you've painted your drop zones before, so it took me like three weeks. Steve, <laughs> Steve, just join me. Just buy just everything. Because then I come downstairs and I get stressed out. The problem is when I see my two paint, uh, like shelf, Just I get put a blanket over it. I can't handle that. I know. Yeah, put a Don't worry. The stuff that I know that I've already resigned to never painting is in Tupperware containers in another room that I never go in. <laughs> you should just put the tier. You should just put the tiernids in there for now. No, the tiernids are going to get done. What should go in there is the Imperial Guard. Yes. Yeah. The Imperial Guard should go in a yeah. Those models are slowly turning Glart gray from Smash dust. is hurt. He wanted to be on your team. And he would snuggle like a beast. Oh, he would d- eat you. Like, it would be very uncomfortable. You would die. But before that, it would be so enveloping. He does look kind of nice, except for, like, the Warpstone drool. Like, he'd be, a, he'd, be a, he'd be a nice guy. Good friend. He either eats you or loves you. Oh, he's so cool. <laughs> Could be both. Fuck, this model's amazing. He is my turbo lover. Uh... <laughs> This is getting weird. <laughs> now I'm confused. All right, Steve, what are you buying? This. Uh, well, now that I'm looking at the model, it might be, but I was going to say the thing that I want this week was actually free, and it was GW's FAQ, and it was the greatest Boots response. Boots on the ground, bitch. Greatest response to tournament freakouts ever by GW. Flyers don't count for not being tabled. Yeah. Everybody's freaking out about the uh, Raven spam lists that were a problem at the ATC because Storm Ravens are really fucking good. Okay. Um, and they released an FAQ two weeks after the event that specifically said, yep, you can still take those models. Those armies are not invalid. Go ahead and play them. But if at any point you have only models with the fly keyword, I believe, or flyer keyword, I can't remember if it's jet, yeah, pack troops don't count, you immediately lose. 
and it's the boots on the round on the ground rule. You have to have infantry or something on the ground, otherwise you count as being tabled. Oh, so it was like, yeah, those armies that are clearly not fun, we're gonna do stuff about because really that was the only complaint from the the ATC. Like there was still people that were freaking out about like. 200 blue horrors is apparently really, really good, but the... But you the, know what? Yeah, I know exactly what you're going to say. Go ahead. If you have painting requirements for your tournaments, yep. and someone wants to paint 200 blue horrors, fuck it, all the power to But them. here's the other thing, though, that's even more problematic about it, is playing that army is not fun, because you have to move them. And that sucks to move 200 models. Whereas moving eight flyers... To. Well, you have to win the tournament, <laughs> right? Like, if you're going to bring 200 models in an yeah. attempt to be that power gamer, you're going to have to move them. And that's not super awesome. So, and they've already, yeah, it looks like they're going to be taking a, an active uh, hand in the game to make sure that there is nothing that's completely out of hand, which makes me so happy. I actually want to say that not even just Games Workshop, but this was probably the best response I've ever seen from a miniature company. Yeah. In any capacity for tournament play. Because it's not just that it was done at all, it's it was done so fast. And, and very thoughtfully. elegantly. Yeah. Yeah. Super thoughtfully, super elegantly. Like I, I couldn't I could not have come up with a better solution myself. So yeah, my shut up and take my money is free, which is makes it even better. Is what I, I was very happy Besides, about. oh my god, I want this model. I know Glart Smash Up is amazing. Jesus, he's so fucking He's so it, cool. Like, Except he, his name reminds me of Paul Blart Mall Cop, so that's a problem. He kind of reminds me a little bit way. Kevin James with a slightly longer snow. Oh, they're both kind of overweight. I wonder if he is Kevin James with a slightly longer snow. Like, if that was an intentional thing. Blart. Paul Blart Mall Blart. Cop. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be amazing if the sculptor was like... It is, it is Skaven Kevin James. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. This is amazing. Anyways. Yeah. We should move on to our next, uh, next topic. Period one. Okay, so just gonna just gonna put this out here, uh, listeners. We are gonna be talking a lot about War Machine or War Machine related things. We don't do this very often, um, but I just got back from Lock and Load, and there was a lot that went down in the keynote, and a lot of stuff happened at Lock and Load that is really worth talking about. Not just in the context of War Machine, but that does actually extrapolate to a lot of other games. So the first one that I want to talk about is probably the most War Machine centric one of them all. So we can get it over with. Is Company of Iron, and I'd Company say of Iron pretty pretty War Machine centric, but I'm interested. Well, that's what I was saying. This is the most War Machine centric yep. one. So, what Company <laughs> of Iron is is a skirmish based game that uses all of the the core rules for War Machine, and just introduces a few limitations and a few little add ons to make it a fun game. So, what it is, it is a skirmish game where you're playing twenty or twenty five points, depending on what size you've you've set on. But the game works for either one of those point sizes. Everything just the, 20 or 25? Yes. That's a really weird increment. Is there a reason between 20 or 25? Uh, if you want to take an... Normally it's like an extra solo or something. It just works out to be like adding one thing to okay. your 20-point list is 25. It just The way the math works out is pretty comfy for that. Okay. So, But basically, the only restrictions is that you cannot take anything with a large base... Okay. So it's Heavy Jacks, Cavalry, whatever else. You cannot take anything with the Focus or Fury Manipulation rule. So no so casters? No casters, no Lesser Warcasters, no Warlocks, no Lesser Warlocks. And you cannot take more than one choice of anything. So even if you had, like, uh, FA3 for Steelhead Halberdiers, they become one. Interesting. So 
just to give you an example, the list that I took was Hernan John, uh, Ogren Boker, fuck you, Steve. Boker. And a minion to Forge Guard was 20 points. Uh, and so the neat thing about it is that the game itself is always going to be casual. They have explicitly stated any organized play formats are not going to reward wins. It's going to be rewarding like coolest theme, best painted, most games played, fluffiest, whatever. Like, this is a fun game for fun gamers. I like that because they already have a million formats for competitive tournament play. Yeah. Yeah. And this is talking to the developer himself for this. Uh, the other neat thing about it is that it has a ton of scenarios that are very diverse. So, like the scenario that I played, I had two objectives that I had to protect. My opponent had six explosive tokens. He had to get three of them on either one of my objectives to explode my fuel to win the game. That sounds a little bit like scheme counters. It was really cool. Yeah, I had a feeling that you would like that. Yeah, it honestly plays a lot like uh, Malifaux in like how interesting and interactive it is, but it still has that like quick and brutal War Machine vibe. One of the other big differences, you have alternating activation, and every model is a solo. Interesting. Um, the other, there's two other really cool rules. One of them is that when you are boxed, like when you remove all your health points, you roll a d6. On a 1 or 2, you're dead. On a 5 or a 6, you're bleeding out. And on a 6, you're just knocked down. If you're bleeding out, when you activate next, you roll another d6. And on a one or two, you're dead. Five or six, or three or four, you're still bleeding out. Five or six, you are still just knocked down. And you are no longer bleeding out. If you have a friendly model in base to base, you get a plus one. Up to a max of plus one. So this is exactly like Mordheim. Yeah. It's like a mix of Mordheim. And like, honestly, the developer, like, he used to play Mordheim. He loves Mordheim. Like, it's, it's very much a lot of the fun aspects of other skirmish games yeah. with the quick... <clears throat> Um, brutality of the Iron Kingdoms rolled into one. And it's a lot of fun to play. The other mechanic that's probably, in my mind, one of the most interesting and instantly comps to the game is that you actually have a, a hand of cards which give you different abilities. So the cards are either going to have... They all have two aspects on them. One is a sweet little ability in-game, like plus one to hit for all models in a unit or all models gain this special rule in a unit or something like that. Or... On the bottom of the card, it either says additional die, boost, or reroll. So you can either use the card for the ability on the top, or you can use it for that ability on the bottom. So it kind of works mm -hmm. like if you were using focus, because yep. focus is a really integral part of how War Machine works. If you know, like boost rolls, everything else, you have it now in this hand of cards. Now, where it becomes a comp system is that when you take units, and this is going to be a living document that they're creating, Every choice you can take is going to modify your cards. So the really good units that don't need a lot of support are going to take cards away. Interesting. The really bad units that need more support are going to add cards to your hand. I like so it. So for example, when I played, Hern and John gave me a minus one card because like three blast templates are pretty good in this format. Whereas Min Forge Guard, because they're so slow and they're not very good at actually doing a lot of the objective stuff, was a plus one card. So I had five cards in my hand. The guy playing on a table beside me had a unit of Kazi Assassins and a unit of Kazi Eliminators. They do not need support, and they're fucking good in this format. So he played with one card. Interesting. And this is something that is going to be continually updated. It's kind of like the General's Handbook that you've got for uh, Fantasy or whatever the 40k equivalent is going to end up being in the long run. Yep. And it's something where he's like, 
if the community is like, these guys are bonkers, they should be a negative card, or like, these guys are not as good as you'd think they'd be. Yep. They need to be a positive card. He'll just change it. So that's all sounds great, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but if it's not going to be rewarding competitive play, why are they spending so much time comping these units? It's just to make it a more balanced for yeah. experience. It's kind of what I assumed. It just seems like they're going to put a lot of effort into this. And the, the reason I kind of find this interesting is War Machine is typically the competitive scene. Like, typically. Are, is Can't, that something that they're trying to change? Yeah. It sounds like they're really trying to broaden their appeal. They're just realizing... They feel like they, they, really, they can still have steamrollers, they can still have all this other stuff. Yeah. But, you know, if there is a more casual segment out there and they didn't have a format for them, now they do. Yeah. And then the really interesting, too, is that because this is a more casual-oriented format... It's also a great way to get people into the game. Because yeah. one of the problems with War Machine traditionally is that it's like you get into it and you're like, you got to build up to like a 50 point list in Mark II or a 75, 75 point list in Mark III and play steamrollers and there's these scenarios and there's this and that and the other. It's really daunting for a lot of new players. This format's like pick up a handful of models, like 15 to 20 dudes, paint them up, play whatever you want. And what's really interesting is that. There's a lot of little sub-faction-y kind of stuff within each uh, main faction in the game that you can make really interesting lists out of. I can do really unique pirate stuff, or Rulik stuff, or Steelhead stuff, or... I was going to say, or, my list or, I still think does not work, because I have just the, the what is it, the Colossal and then the two War Engines. Don't you have any... I have angels? a shitload of Servidors, but I think they're less than 20 points in my 50-point list. But didn't you ever pick up any of those uh, Clockwork angels? angels? Oh yeah, I have tons of those, they're all orange. <laughs> but like you could repaint some Clockwork Angels, you could add in some servitors. Yes, repaint them. You could yeah. no. You've got your uh, your uh, uh, keg protector or like whatever that one model is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Like, but it's it's really not that many models. You're looking. I, wonder, I don't know how many point servitors are. I might actually get close. I have a shitload of servitors. Again, you can only take one choice worth of any one unit entry. So if there's but like there's, two or three different kinds of servitors, I think there's two or three. Okay. Maybe. But, like, you could try it out, right? And it's really fast, it's really quick, it plays, and they suggest way more terrain. The rules for setting up terrain are ensuring it is more dense and towards the center of the table. And That's it plays on a 32-inch board. You can modify it to, like, a 36 or whatever. It's not hard. You just make your deployment zones a little bit bigger. Yeah. But it's designed to be played on a smaller board. Hmm. And it plays really quick. And, honestly, one of the neatest things about this whole experience was me and a handful of guys... We're playing like our fun scenario at lock and load, and the developer of this particular format comes up and is like, comes up, uh, sorry, comes up to us and he's like, "You guys look like you're having a lot of fun. You look like you're having more fun than almost everyone else here. Why do you do you want to play uh, Company of Iron?" And this was the night before the big launch for everyone else, hmm. so we got to like demo it ahead of time just because we were giggling and having a good time. So much like the question of like this being really geared towards more casual players. The overall theme for me for Lock and Load was like casual players were getting a lot of a, a bigger push, which was really fun. That's pretty awesome. So, oh, the, is it Juicy Squirts? <laughs> yeah, it's a Juicy Squirt. Gross. So gross. That is, can we say right now, the official candy of Hobbit in Canada podcast? If you are listening <laughs> to the Hobbit in Canada podcast and you want to have candy that will increase your experience to be more congruent... With our podcast, Juicy Squirts. Maynard's Juicy Squirts. <laughs> Could you imagine we got kickbacks for Maynard's Juicy Squirts? I'm just okay like, with that. Like, they just give us several pounds of Juicy Squirts per podcast. No, that would not be good. 
I am scared to know how much sugar is in there. We could get an insulin sponsor. Yeah, we would need that too. Like I don't know, what's that? Bayer Munich or whatever the hell that company is. <laughs> I'm sure we could get like a foot amputation sponsor, and it'd be great. Like diabetes <laughs> supplies. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be all kinds of awesome. Um, <laughs> do you guys have any questions about Company of Iron? No, it sounds. When's it out? It's gonna be out in the fall. It sounds really good. Like I'm, I'm interested to see how how it plays, and I, I, I have stuff that I think I can make work for it. What I'm mostly interested in is if it's going to be able to compete in the current ecosystem of all these phenomenal games. Well, and I think realistically, it's going to appeal to casual enthusiasts who currently play War Machine, and it's going to appeal to people who are wanting to get into War Machine, maybe like the universe, like the models, but don't necessarily want to go full into War Machine the game. How long would you say a game normally went? Uh, honestly, it'll, they'll be like half hour, 45 minute rounds. So if like companies or whatever, like have like lunchtime games, this could be hundred percent, hundred percent. This is a lunchtime game. So what about Shadow War Armageddon? Like that was something very similar in my mind, but didn't do particularly well. well if War Machine Mark four comes out like the month after, yeah, they'll have the same result, but I don't think they're planning on doing no, it. No. And yeah, I think that, that, that was, was exactly yeah. what I was going to say is that. Any motivation from Shadow War was immediately killed as soon as the new by Eighth Edition, which is a shame because it's it's an interesting system. They took the game in a new direction, added a lot of cool terrain, then immediately stole their own thunder by yeah. coming out with Eighth Edition Warhammer yeah. 40k. So. And I think realistically, Shadow War had a lot of like initial surge, died off because 40k. But I think it will have more staying power a year from now. Really, for I Shadow War, that. like I think it's gonna come back and like. Because right now, Games Workshop is in this weird flux of like, look at our Blood Bowl, look at our Age of Sigmar, look at our 40k 8th edition. There's like so much shit happening right now that's all really amazing. It is impossible to stay focused on anything. Yeah. Because they're just, they're they're hitting it out of the park. And if there's going to be 10 With codexes everything. by Christmas, it's going to be like every two or three weeks is a new codex, so. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, I'm interested to see how they support um, Company of Iron. And the other thing about Company of Iron, it is released as a box as like a, board, uh, a box set, like a board game. It's going to have some new models uh, at, for the two factions involved, Signar and Pharaoh, which is pigs. Like new units or alt sculpts? Uh, two new models, and the rest is just going to be alt sculpts, just to get playing, or okay. current sculpts. Fair enough. And go. Hmm. So... The other thing, too, is that Shadow War... <sighs> Shadow War requires a lot of, like, intricate, massive terrain to look really cool. Yeah. Company of Iron needs a couple buildings, some rocks, a pond, like, yeah. a lot of stuff that's already in your collection. I guess that's kind of a good point. Your, your, sort of your reference point is War Machine, and if you need more terrain than that, that's still not a crazy amount of terrain. That's still right. doable. Exactly. Like, and for me, I've got a lot of Malifaux terrain that'll work perfect for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So, and I'm really excited just to see how it goes. And I think the other thing that's going to be really positive about it too is that when they have big events or um, campaigns or other parts of like whatever kind of organized play cycles they have, Company of Iron is going to be involved in that. Hmm. Okay. okay. So you can so register. It's, so it's not just going to be an afterthought or anything like that. Yeah. So they're so actually lock and load next year. You can go play Company, Company of, Iron. of Iron. Yes, absolutely. All 100%. weekend. 100%. I might even be doing that. That's pretty cool. Because then you could take a bunch of different quick lists, right? Yeah. Yeah, you could take, well, you could take multiple factions with the models in the same amount of space as a regular army. So, I'm not going to lie, this kind of sounds to me like what War Machine should be. 
Yeah. Um, just I always, with saw it as more, I always saw it as more of a skirmish game, but it ended up getting big. Yeah, I agree. It got into like that 50 model sort of range, which is pretty pretty big, um, considering like all the sideboards and that kind of stuff for different uh, organized play and that kind of thing. Well, the, like, the, the, the fact that you're having to do two lists and everything else. Yeah. And this is like small, it's quick, it's dirty, it's interesting scenarios. The scenarios are not all balanced. Some of them are going to be one-sided. Because yeah. it's for fun. It's cool. So one side's going to be fighting an uphill battle kind of thing. Yeah. And you know that. That's that's the thing, though, is you set that expectation going into the game, and you, like, you're fighting a last stand. It's going to yeah. suck for you. But your victory conditions reflect that or whatever, right? Like, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I, I, I feel like this is really sort of where War Machine maybe should be. Well, and it's... It's not to say that it shouldn't be where it already is, but it adds a great aspect of ways to play in the universe. And as I think it would be like good for more. beginners, just in that, yeah, you're not dealing with focus and all the other stuff, but you're also not dealing with a lot of the jankier combos and feats, feats and spells and all kinds of craziness. Like just for learning the basics Which, frankly, of the game, is what what killed it for me. Is the learning curve is really hard with this game, where yeah. Company of Iron, if you're playing simpler, a little bit more advanced scenarios in some ways, but a lot simpler lists and rules interactions. Yeah, that's the thing, is the feats and the gotcha moments in War Machine are so soul-crushing for beginners, because you're like, I actually understand my army, and I think I could hold my own. I don't expect to win. Oh, my caster is an inch too far forward and is now dead. Yeah, fuck. Shit, I don't know. Game's over. Guess I won't do that again. (laughs) Speaking of feats, what about units that hold mini feats? Anything addressed, or they are able to... If it's a better mini feat, you're probably getting negative cards. That's like true. that's it. That's it's okay. if the model has it on their card printed, they get to use it. Okay. Cool. Um, the only there is one addendum here. Anything that is on a card for like a model's card printed, those rules only apply to models in the command range of the unit leader. So let's say I've got oh, so if you split up your solo style deployments of the unit, they don't all get their abilities correct. regardless of range. Okay. However, if it's printed on a card like one of the command cards that you have, that applies to the whole unit regardless of where they are. Interesting. That's nice that they put that uh, very straightforward approach to it. So you're not going to be wondering. Everything's simple, right? It's just it's a quick and dirty, and it's exciting and it's fun, and like honestly, we were all half cut or further. <laughs> Good down the down the path because this was like later on Saturday Saturday night and we all got it like that it was super easy to get into really fun really interesting really exciting um, we all there was six of us we all played different scenarios like there was, so there was three games and they all were interesting all very cinematic. Which is very cool. So nice. I'm really looking forward to this whole thing coming out and getting to play it more often. Well, I'm not gonna. I don't think we should give it a review, but we should definitely play some games because I think most of us here can play. Yeah. Or can get most of the way there. Can I play with two mechanics and three widowmakers? Yeah. And that's my entire army. You might have to add one or two more models. <laughs> I would expect so. <laughs> but not that many more, honestly, dude. Like your widowmakers are probably going to be fairly expensive. I don't know. Like <laughs> I think I have, like, Mark 1 rules for them, so they're a little out of date. I feel yeah. like you are going to hazard a guess there for a second and then just gave up. <laughs> um, I'll, after the podcast, I'm going to look in War Room and see. Okay. And we'll see, like, what you'd have to add to make it a thing. Cool. Yeah, um, we should definitely review this at a later date. Yep, absolutely. So moving on. So moving on, this is something that was talked about at Lock and Load as part of the... If you have seen the keynote, 
Um, you'll have noticed there was that moment where they talked to Alexa, and Alexa gave them rules. Uh, and basically for... And this is where I'm just going to be like butchering all kinds of lingo around software development. So uh, worry, just I'll, keep I'll me honest, Steve. I'll fix it for you. Uh, but basically, they announced a partnership, uh, they being Private Q Press, with a company called... Um, oh, fuck. Oh, wow. That's a weird name. Um, I don't know if that's a good... Monocle Society. Okay. Monocle Society are software developers, and they're working with the Alexa software that Amazon has put out. Yep. That uses the eco, eco boxes. Yep. Or echo, boxes, echo. echo boxes. And what they've done is created a soft, some software called Rules Lawyer. And what Rules Lawyer does is it uses that interface and then uses it to access information about games in a data set. So a simple example that they talk about, because they actually have a video that they, that they released, <coughs> is with Rules Lawyer, you can ask um, Alexa how to play Monopoly. And Alexa will tell you like how to set up the Monopoly game, and you can ask any different rules, like how does free parking work, and it'll tell you the actual rules for free parking. Because nobody actually plays that rule yeah. correctly. So the neat thing about it, you have an, ec- uh, an echo box in the middle of your table, you're playing your game, and you're like, Alexa, ask Rules Lawyer how this works, and it'll be like, this is how it works. So on a very basic level, that's kind of what it does. Where it gets really interesting, and how they're working with Privateer Press, is combining this with what they have in War Room. Now, War Room, for those that don't know, is not only an army creation software, but it's also a way to play the game. You can track your damage, um... Basically tracks your damage. So you, <laughs> but so you can play the game with your opponent. Where this gets really interesting is that right now you can ask Alexa different rules and she'll tell you. You can also ask Alexa, like, hey Alexa, um, what do I need to roll on 2d6 to hit death 13 with uh, mat 6? And she'll tell you. Yes, it's simple math, but it will still tell you this. And the reason why I'm so excited for this software uh, is... And we'll get into some of the more mechanics in a second. Is not just for your average gamer, but it's also to make games more accessible to everyone. Okay. Right? Like a lot of us that play these games, it's really easy for us. Like we all have a, be- a pretty strong understanding of math, really st- uh, strong reading comprehension skills, because those are the things we needed to have to get into these games. Yeah. This actually, when you can talk to Alexa and get this information of like, hey Alexa, what's Haley One's feet do? And Alexa tells you. You don't have to read to the same level to get that information. If you're like, hey, Alexa, uh, what do I need to roll? It'll tell you. Interesting. Where this gets even cooler is down the road. What? And I was talking with the developer from this as well, and also got to try playing a game with Alexa beside us, which was also really interesting. Um, Did you ever use it? Yeah. Um, just, Just like nominal things of like asking, like, what does this rule do? What does that rule do? Those kinds of things. But if Alexa is actually being involved with tracking in War Room... That's what I was going to say. Can you tell Alexa, hey, this Jack just took six damage? No. Yes. Well, okay. So that is where it will be. Make make up your mind. There's a yes, but it gets even cooler. Okay. Where it gets even cooler is you can be like, hey, Alexa. And this is going to be probably a year or two down the road, but they're working towards it. Hey, Alexa, my juggernaut charges your Lancer. And Alexa will be like... You did four damage on the charge attack to column three and already track it. You'd be like, hey, Alexa, I'm using a focus to buy an attack. And Alexa would be like, sweet, you did another three damage to column two. I don't know if I like that. 
because uh, why wouldn't I be rolling the dice? So, that's... but here's the thing. It's like, imagine if you will, again, people that want to still roll dice and look at cards can. People, and this is where for me it's a big thing that I'm passionate about for, for accessibility. What if it's harder for you to roll dice? What if it's harder for you to keep track of stuff on paper? Like, if you have a disability that makes playing these games more complicated, this opens it wide open. And what's really interesting is that it's not like War Room where you're, like, punching on a, a touch screen. You're talking to it, so it is still an analog input. And what's really interesting is that your games can be half the speed. And what if you're, like... Or twice the speed, you mean? Twice the speed, yes. Yeah. So what if you're, like, <laughs> during your turn, you're like, all right, Alexa, I've, uh, I'll keep all my spells. And Alexa was already tracking, you would cast this, this, and this spell. Two of those three were upkeeps. So now when you're activating, you're like, starting your next to your turn, Alexa knows you have two fewer focus. So your game state tracking will be flawless. I, there's silence around here because everybody's thinking. <laughs> like, everybody yeah, has mixed feelings. We didn't get to play with the demo. And obviously the demo was not where we're talking now, but I'm talking with the developers, and this is where it's going. Yeah, and I do think a lot of these features, you're right, are not going to be necessarily for the everyday gamer. But if somebody does have, like, if you have, like, a broken arm and you can't pick up dice and roll them, it can roll dice for you. Yeah, but you still got to move models. Like, well, but but there's ways a little bit around that, right? Like, it's... You could have you can have some supports from a friend. Like sure. your opponent can move the model, so you'd be like, "Yo, I want to move there." So the thing from a from a software developer standpoint, um, this is cool. Yeah, I, I find this interesting from a tech standpoint. From a curmudgeonly tabletop gamer, and I I like my tabletop games because they're so analog. If I wanted that, like what what Alexa's purporting to do. I'd just go play StarCraft. Yeah. Now, where this gets really interesting, in my mind, is that the goal of this whole thing is to give two people who have never played a game before two starter boxes, like two battle groups for a machine, and access to the Selexa uh, and Echo box. And they can walk them through a demo game. And just be like, go. So... For learning new games, for getting up to speed on rules, because you're playing and you're like, "Hey Alexa, I'm activating Gordon. What does he do?" And she's like, "He does this, 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 and this." But you still have to know how to activate stuff. Like, no, you could ask. Like, it is the start. You could honestly ask Alexa. Like, we're starting this game. What do we do? So, and Alexa's like, "You each roll a d6. Whoever rolls higher gets to deploy first. You'd be like, Alexa, what does deploying first mean? It's like, if you're deploying first, you're going to be seven inches of the board edge. Second will be ten. Hey Alexa, what is deploying? And like you can ask these questions and it can answer them. What I feel ha- like what happens when your Wi-Fi is down? <laughs> well, then it's not going to. Welcome work. to the future being broken. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> like really, I'm assuming it's using the cloud services, so it's going to need it's going to need a connection because their pa- processing power on that little box is not going to do it. And and what kind of uh, tables are you going to have when you have like ten tables in a row all trying to ask? Well, like, so we, Alexa, you would necessarily be doing it in a tournament. <laughs> Yeah, well, the other thing, too, and this is where it's really cool, part of our demo... Sorry, I just <laughs> that's, fucking... That's, that's your go-to saying for this No, right now, like, honestly, it's... dude, I, at first I was very skeptical, and then just getting to see it... But there's more! There's so much more. So I'd ask Alexa a question. We're doing this in the middle of lock and load. And I'd be like, hey, Alexa, what's Fiona One's feet, or focus stat, or whatever? And Alexa would be like, I don't understand the question. And then I'd say it again, and because Alexa was learning... 
this is where it's like the real criticism here is that this is how we get Skynet. Because do you want to get Skynet? Because Alexa learns to understand uh, actually parsing out background noise, learning particular people's speech patterns, how people are going to be uh, actually yeah. saying words. These are all things that Alexa learns. It's machine learning. You're just part of the training set. Yeah. So I totally signed up for the beta. What's really what another interesting fact to this is that any smartphone can be an Echo device. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like you so have to go out of your way and buy something brand new. It's like your smartphone, assuming it's within three or four years old and not a piece of shit, could run this. The other, I, I watched the video that you posted, and one of the weird things to me was like you have to ask Alexa to access rules lawyer to find out this rule, and that's right now. It's very early. Like yeah. the biggest thing to keep in mind, this is super early in the process. Imagine if you will, you were playing Mass Effect and everyone was fucking stick figures. Oh yeah, no, I, I get this is brand new. Like it's not out in development uh, or anything like that uh, for purchase right now. Um, the other thing that they mentioned and there were coming out with house rules and at that point then you can get a little bit sticky too right because what if this house rule is in effect and this house rule is in effect right so then you have to know your game as a whole before anything well you have to know your house rules or you just be like hey alexa default to non-house rules and alexa's like okay so and alexa totally calls you commander Uh, okay. That's a weird little detail. I it like was it. really hilarious and kind of creepy. It is very creepy. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I actually... I'm kind of with you, Ward. I would like to see it in action and use it first. But yeah, absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of the tech that you're talking about here, uh, this sounds so much like startup land where everything is going to be great in a year. But a lot of the tech that we're talking about that I think they're going to be relying on is probably six years to ten years out we don't know all and also their training set their training set like that's really bizarre out of war room too like i don't really understand how that that data would make it into an actual trainable set for a machine learning algorithm for handling those sort of facts, like somebody charged, like war room's going to have. Yeah, to so like that stuff is definitely, and they are going to be changing war room and to war, do that. to make it work well. People are going to have to track their games on war room. Like, yeah. this model just charged here. That's the level of like <coughs> this model is attacking well, here. Maybe we don't know. We rolled these dice. I think pragmatically, right now, it's a great way to access rules. So what they're pitching it as is when you're playing a game, Alexa's there. Basically, for this rules lawyer program to be like, "Hey Alexa, what does this do?" And see and that, that, that is where, like. and that is where it is right now. And that's so what, that's everything what else I've like. been talking about is like way further ahead, like me getting overexcited and the brain firing. So that's almost where I'd like to see it stay because I want to see that separation between. And I know it's not. There's no way that tech's going to stop progressing. I just think it's a little further out, and this company thinks it's, it's no, no. He be. knows it's. Decades. The stuff we're talking about, maybe not decades, but close, ways away. Machine learning's got a lot of downfalls, so yeah. Um, but there's there's a lot of positives in it too. I mean, it, it, and I'm I'm not I'm an expert in the field by any stretch, but I have a bit of a better understanding than some. Um, it's not a magic bullet, and I'm interested to see where this company ends up. But what I do like though is the idea of everybody's been at a tournament where they've got the opponent across the table that looks up every rule. 
Yeah, and they can just be like, hey, Alexa, what is this? And they read it. Yeah, she reads it out to you. But wouldn't that be just as annoying as somebody flipping through the No, because it's just, there is no flipping. Okay. It honestly, it would take at most. But, okay, maybe I I phrased that wrong. Do you think it will increase the amount of questions that go through it instead of, no, this is how it is. Okay, yeah, I'm good. Is there going to be more double checking, more... Let's let's double check this before we go on. Probably. Is it going to increase but it or honestly, decrease it? You're going to see an increased number at first, but probably six months later, you're going to see no one asking questions because all the fucking rules. And the other thing, too, is I think you'll see way less cheating because someone's going to be like, hey, Alexa, how far can reciprocators move? Yeah. And, oh, you move them seven. They move six. Or I don't know what their actual move value is, but... Doesn't matter. Alexa will. Yeah, exactly. So I can see it being cutting down on the arguments a lot. It's like having a judge at your table. Yeah, it's 100%. That's um, where, that is the goal for the right now goal. Everything yeah. else is me getting like super pie in the sky, interested in other stuff. But, but I'm kind of with you there, Mike, too. Like I, I, There's a lot of things that I don't think have been thought out as whether or not this is good. Or bad. Well, I, I just I, that's why I'm curious. Because is it going to increase the amount of questions asked? Or is it going to decrease it? It's... With that comment, I just thought of Jurassic Park. Like, hey, Alexa, how many questions are people going to ask? <laughs> yeah. Your scientists so, were so concerned of whether that they could, they didn't <laughs> stop to think of whether <laughs> they, they should. should. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. I'm not saying. I'm just saying <laughs> that that would be a question. But we don't know. Yeah. yeah I know. But this is yeah. how many million lines of Dennis Nedry troll code are involved. <laughs> <laughs> but this is something new and exciting. Like, when was the last time we could talk about something that was a universally applied to all miniature Does it run gaming? on a Linux operating system? Another Unix system. <laughs> Unix, that's what it is. That's what it is. But like, that's when's right. the last time we had something that was this overarching as a discussion piece? Yeah, no, for sure. Right? And don't get me wrong. I think the thing that I hate the most in tournaments is somebody looks up their, their rule and then they start reading it out. And then you got to look it up because you're like, I don't think that's the correct interpretation. Because maybe they misread it. Uh, or... Yeah, and then you got to look it up. And then I, you got your, both of you got your books out and you're trying to flip through them show them e- the rule. Even if she's saying it, though... I think it's still subject to interpretation. So I don't to think that point? will cut down. But the thing that's also important, too, is is how you read something has way less interpretation to it than how, or sorry, how you hear more, the inflection. Yeah, more the interpretation inflection. to something that you read versus what you hear. So that's another point that's going to be interesting as to how Alexa intones rules. Well, sets, and right? realistically speaking, I guess one interesting thing would be like, what page is this rule on? Yeah. That, right would, not. that would save a lot of time. And yeah, but that's also, that's also interesting too because then you have the GW mini rule books that have different page numbers. Like, Fair. hey Alexa, I've got the mini rule book. What page is it on? Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, depending on is, how far yeah. programming. It also depends sure, what right? game is there. But like the the plan is right now to use it with War Room and War Machine, and to set it up for board games. The one thing I haven't talked about yet that is what I'm really excited about for this, unless there's many other one things I'm really excited about. They actually are also a company that develops role-playing games for this device. So you are Alexa's you gonna have be able a DM. to Alexa's gonna be your DM. And you can scan your character cards in and just play. That's pretty cool. So like it's it's creating a new like it's not it still has all of the fun aspects of your analog gaming of hanging out with friends. Yeah. Right? Because realistically speaking, the biggest difference between tabletop games and um, computer games is that personal interaction, and you should probably wear pants if you have your friends over. Yeah, probably. Uh, unless, unless you're into that, like Alexa, that's... should I wear pants? But like, like all those all those role playing games, right? This this is this is not the first time that this has been sort of a topic of role playing games are going to get so much better. Like remember Muds? 
Yeah. Right? Like, way, way back. That was the next generation of role-playing games. Or even those hilarious board games with the VHS. Yeah, like, that's... This is... I... <laughs> Atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, right? Like... I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I like it from the index rules lookup standpoint because having a device that just tells you what page it's on or, or reads the rule out, and it's very concise. But aren't right you curious there. to try? For sure. For sure. And I think but that's it. my point that I keep coming back to as a software developer is it took Google millions of dollars yeah. to recognize there being a dog in a photo. Yes. And that was a very obvious training set, and there's... Billions of those photos out there. That's what they needed to do for like that problem, recognizing cars or dogs yeah. or beach balls. I think the other thing to keep in mind is that there's less learning involved here and more recoding. So every time you're you're doing the beta test, yes, there is going to be some bit of Alexa learning. There's also every time Alexa doesn't know what you say, they're going to be getting sent an error message with exactly what you said. So if you are phrasing something differently, they can reprogram it into Alexa. Big well, that just goes, like I said, Big that, Brother's watching. Yeah, everything you say to Alexa goes into a training set and then gets replayed to Alexa for the next build that they then release and push out to your, your devices. Like, it, yeah, it records literally everything you say. Uh, and that's a different topic, and we don't need to go into, like, legalities of that because they've already been subpoenaing uh, people's records for what they say in their house to their Alexa because it records literally fucking everything. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of creepy. So, like, yeah, whatever you say, it will learn. But, like, how many people are talking to their Alexas right now about gaming? Like, that is... I am fascinated by this company and their approach to, like, how they're going to solve this problem with Alexa versus any smartphone app kind of thing. Like, yeah. Like, there's there's different ways to solve this issue. And uh, I'm pessimistic, but also kind of hopeful that they can solve a lot of those, like... Rules debates. Well, another thing, too, is that the nice thing about using Alexa is they have Amazon doing a lot of the legwork. Yeah, for the speech recognition. Right? Yeah. Like, they're not they're not having to ground up this. One of the bigger companies out there, because Amazon's pretty fucking huge, is doing a lot of work. So, I guess, it, do you guys have any other questions things you want to say about it, or can, should we move on? Uh, yeah, I would like to review this one as well, but uh, I think we're going to have to wait maybe a few years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is why this keynote was so interesting. There's like so much shit getting thrown in of like, yeah. and they glossed over it so quickly in the keynote of just like, hey Alexa, what's this rule? And you're like, ah, oh, who gives a fuck? And then you talk to the guy who's working on it, and you're just like, holy shit, there's so much more here of what it can potentially do. So, hmm. I'm interested to see how the, what that company is doing for like seed funding and, and what what kind of capital they've got going on behind the scenes because that seems like a big project. Especially with like the role playing game stuff, they must be quite well funded. Presumably, yeah. Yeah, interesting. All right. Um, so the last piece, which is a little bit, I think it's probably the shortest one yet, is when I went down to lock and load. Uh, I went down with my buddy Ryan um, from Portland, and last year, kind of towards the end of the event, we started talking about this idea of hardcore casual, and hardcore casual really was that like. We're here for a good time. We're here to enjoy the games. You take the games seriously to the point of, like, not just, like, ah, fuck it, whatever. Like, you're still playing the game. You're still yeah. enjoying the game. But you're not really caring about the outcome of the game as much. It's more of that, like, procedural joy from playing miniature games than goal-oriented joy. Journey versus destination. Exactly. So, we went down, or we had the idea in our heads from last year, 
And when we came down this year, he had done up a bunch of hard... And they were these little, like, tokens, like 50 mil markers that had two fists on it. that had, like, hard cash on the knuckles. <laughs> and it said, hardcore casual, I won the Iron Arena on the bottom. Now, there's two parts to this that I think that are really funny. One was that notion of, I won the Iron Arena. Because you all know that you asshole can. that's like, I won this tournament, or I won that tournament. And they just kind of sound like a douche. Yeah. So Dallas and I um, were joking around a few months back of that idea of, like, why don't we go to a War Machine tournament with, like, all of our swag from the Iron Arena and just be like, fuck you, I won the Iron Arena, just to, like, troll those guys? Yeah. Um, the other part that I really like is those two fists were actually taken from a database uh, for, like, 3D modeling, and you'll never guess what the fists were originally. The Punisher. Are we talking about the dildo with the fist on the end? Oh, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. That's amazing. 110%. It turns out that will be our first guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you, you obviously. Under, you underestimate your audience here. Or maybe I just wanted to do a little more gravitas. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, obvious. The minute yeah. you said 3D modeled fists, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we're just like <laughs> handing out these tokens like candy. And the basic idea for the scenario that we played was four players. Um, everyone deploys in a corner. You randomize for teams after you deploy. And then you're all fighting over five inches from the center of the table, which is where the marker was. And the only models that can score or contest are Warcasters and Warlocks. Go. Nice. And you just play. And you giggle, and cool shit happens. And you know that feeling where you like, I really hope that person's my teammate, because this flank's going to fucking suck. But you, the fact that you randomized teams after deploying just made it really exciting. The game took like 40 minutes. It was quick, it was dirty. You giggled, you played like... 25 points mangled metal plus solos or whatever if you wanted a unit give her shit because we don't care and what was really neat about it is that we're playing this most of the weekend and by honestly the end of day one early day two people were talking about it like we saw players who were um who had played earlier in like the first day were showing other people how to play like this fun scenario and have a good time that's pretty cool. And, like, staffers were like, ha, hard cash, that's awesome. And, like, it just really became this idea of there's joy back in War Machine. Because I know War Machine gets a lot of really bad rap for being that competitive game. Because for the longest time, that's kind of how they build it. Yep. Right? Of that, yep. this is a competitive rule set. They really focused on their steamroller. That was a lot of the main focus. But it seems like they were not a models company that's for sure initially yeah right like they were kind of the antithesis of games workshop for i would argue the last decade which is why they actually did so well is because gw was so shitty if they were the antithesis antithesis of that that by definition makes them better yes yeah whereas games workshop now is rocking a solid hybrid yep and that model is crushing any of the extremists right like surprise surprise most governments in the world are moderate. Yep, exactly. So what's happening is that the like privateer press is really recognizing more of that moderate approach. And I got to say, from like my own standpoint, just playing games for the sake of playing games was so refreshing. Well, that sounds a lot like uh, the fly casual movement from X-Wing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, trying to temper the seriousness a little bit and make sure people are still... Enjoying the game and being courteous and having fun and not just having it an overall good experience for everybody. Not, not just every time you play X-Wing in. has to be a tournament. Yeah. <coughs> so, I guess the question I've got for you is, then that actually 
answers part of the question was like have you guys seen other movements in other games that you play of like a similar kind of idea so the fly casual obviously has been happening um, um like is there similar movements in 40k or infinity or yeah 40k has been the other way around right because there's never been an officially supported tournament system so it's always been 40k is a casual game like that's always the way it's been and there's been other groups that have made it a tournament game so um now the way that speaking of casual um the way that i think 40k is going with um with the three different ways to play power levels or just open play or whatever i think that's kind of got it covered from the gw standpoint and they've always released supplements and narrative campaigns and that kind of thing i think yeah gw is kind of the outlier in this case they don't really fall into that camp well and the reality is for like this kind of play there's nothing really that a manufacturer can do. It's really the, the player base. Yeah, I was going to ask ask Mike actually. What what? Do, how do you feel about uh, the Hawk games for this sort of thing? Is there is there a casual movement in Hawk? Like, does that exist? No, but it, I don't think so. But the thing is, is it's really hard to build a disgusting or a evil list in yeah in, in Hawk games. It's it's pretty. It's something might be tough. But I don't think they have to worry about it as much because the game is balancing it for you. You know, it's policing everything for you. And the way the list construction works, you can't just take you whatever the hell you want anything, anyway. Yeah, really. right. And so because of that, I, I, I don't think it needs to be placed or you need to worry about it being casual. You can come at it any way you like. Yeah, bring the hardest list you want. As long as you're not an asshole, it's still probably going to be a good game. Yeah. So, so. On, on the flip side, do you find that the bigger systems might have to address this this hardcore casual or more of a casual movement in their systems once they reach a certain size and possibly Hawk and other systems haven't reached that. I think a, a good great point, case point study yet. for that right now would be Malfo. Because Malfo, for the majority of the time that I played the game, was just that, hey, we're giggling and flipping cards. And you've noticed, or I've noticed in the last year and a half, two years a lot more people are seeing it as the really good competitive game that it actually is and getting into it for that reason. And so you're seeing a little well, bit of a pushback. That's the way it was in Vegas. Vegas and was a very competitive the, game. And then does that grow... That this grows, last year? I think when you went down, it was pretty competitive, wasn't it? There was more, there was more this last year, I think. Yeah, there was way more. Yeah. But, like, it, it, here's the thing. You can play Malifaux competitively, but there's the still playing Malifaux with giggles in mind. Yeah, and when I was there two years ago at LVO, yeah, there were some tough games, but everyone was like there for the right reason. Gotcha. Right, like they were there to play games and have fun. Yeah, and I guess you never ultimately you're never trying to lose. That's not the point here. It's not like you're actively trying to lose. You just don't care about whether or not you win. And I guess that's a good point. Like coming back to who's there and are they there for the right reasons? LVO is a great example for the 40k scene. You had, what was it, 400 and something odd registrants in the championships last year. Um, but then um, you also had the narrative, the team event, and the friendly, which had like combined 200, 300 players probably. Yeah. I'd say. Like, like there are a lot of players playing 40K that were in no way interested in the competitive scene, really. Yeah. So. Yeah, I find it interesting that that's that's something that the War Machine and like X Wing kind of has. Well, X X Wings reached a certain size, like they have like a world class like event and so on and so. And some of the big tournaments in the states have like hundreds of registrants. Yeah, like they're big as well. And realistically, if you want to look at it, I would argue for the better part of the last three or four years, 
the two games that were the top of sales for miniature gaming worldwide were X Wing War Machine. Like yep. the last year, I think last year I think War Machine slipped down. I have no idea where the fuck X Wing yeah, is so these days. And I, the forty k official numbers were never really known, but they were probably in the top three somewhere easily. So I I think yeah, it's it's basically just reaching like a terminal mass within a group, and then you have to. You have to segregate have, some people. Yeah, have some sort of release or uh, or whatnot. Yeah, right? and really just that notion of not taking it so seriously, right? Like, kind of realizing fundamentally, at the end of the day, you're playing games, mm-hmm. right? And for me, the way that I always pitch it is, if your goal is to have fun, you're always going to win. And this sounds super hokey and shit, and like that like is such like yeah. But at the same time, participation. Yeah, phrase but, right there. It is, but I, I honestly think it's really true. Like, if your goal is to have fun, it's always going to be okay unless you like unless you're playing that dick. Well, that's one, right? of, the, one of the things I was going to say. Is it's kind of like miniature gaming is one of those those few hobbies in the world where you can get into it and be like, I'm going to be the best in the world, and that's not completely crazy because it's a smaller pool. Yeah, like you can get good and go to these tournaments and get internet famous. Easy. Right, like it's it's a little bit weird, and some people start to get into that tournament scene, and that's all they think about is sort of what they're going to do for for that. Let's let's talk about a game that has also tournaments like tennis. Ninety nine percent of people that get into tennis are hardcore casual. They know they're never going to play at Wimbledon. Yeah, right. So I think once you get to that size, you have to have sort of this break off of like social competitive play i don't i don't even know how to really describe well, it's like it's not like it's like if you're not playing against the top players in canada by age 15 as a 40k player <laughs> yeah, like, that's not a thing right but <laughs> yeah. like in tennis that's 100 percent true oh yeah yeah if you're, if you're not trending to be like top canadian player by 15 16 yeah if you're not a, the junior you're never yeah you're not going to be there no but there isn't that no so i think fucking games but that's what i'm kind of saying is i think that you're right, War Machine 40K, and 40K is an outlier because the company's treated it so differently from a competitive standpoint, whereas War Machine's had sort of a company-sponsored format for a competitive play. But again, I think the company matters less uh, than the player base. Cause no. it, cause also, look at X-Wing 2. Because it could also be, like, uh, who's trying to organize those terms, right? Like, ETC, with a, a lot of restrictions, and just happens that 40K has a large play base. And honestly, yeah. the last thing... Yep. That for that Games Workshop really pushed aggressively for 40k organized play was Art Boys. Yep, yeah, it was a long time ago. Like they they were they very much. But that was the last way. thing they pushed was like hard fucking competitive. Yep, and that was also ten years ago. Yeah. More than that now. Um, so so I guess my point is, I think the player base doesn't matter. It does matter. That's sorry. That's not the right right thing to say it matters but it, it also very much matters the way the company pushes it because gw is the same size as as, as war machine um, are you fucking kidding me in terms of player base for 40k and like competitive players probably very similar oh i'd be surprised if war machine truly had as many players as 40k maybe not but I'm, that's what i'm saying is 40k has always pushed casual players like they've always took talked about the beer and pretzel uh, side of things right um Whereas War Machine sort of geared itself towards... Yeah, it was a game that you can play in tournaments rather than a game designed for tournament play. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. when you have that as sort of the... the And X-Wing was the same way, right? Like, it was it was geared for tournament play. Like, that was... Yeah, the, the standard play format has always been the same as the tournament format. Yeah, and those are the two games that have had a casual movement sort of come out of it, in my mind. 
like very specifically. Oh, to be fair, the like players. the casual movement is so fresh for War Machine. Sure, yeah, yeah, but even but the company's it, starting to push but it's it. Though. Reached that point, right? Like game, other games, like you don't really see that in Infinity at all. You haven't seen uh, casual play necessarily in Malifaux right away. I think we're gonna sooner than later. Could it's, it's coming. But that's right? that's what I'm talking about. So. Is you have the company now with uh, with Iron, um, not Iron Arena. Iron Company of Iron. Company. Company of Iron sort of pushing that casual thing too. Like maybe they see it as being a bit of a thing for their image that they need to worry about. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> what are we arguing about? Nothing. Nothing. We're kind of, I'm kind of agree <laughs> that. Yeah. But it's really interesting to see that people are are, are taking games for games again. It's, yeah. I guess the punchline for me. And it's interesting that it's not just a uniquely War Machine thing that you're seeing that. I totally forgot all about the fly casual thing from... Uh, from X-Wing. And what was really neat is that some of the awesome. some of the staffers were wearing filthy casual hoodies at the event. Yeah. Like it's that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's just well, that's playing what I think games people, for fun. People should take that uh, as the way they play their games. Like you lose a lot of the people that get stressed out and freak out about um, like again, I'm going to come back to tennis. You don't have a lot of people that, you know, break a racket in the groups that I play with. Because who cares? Yeah. It doesn't matter, right? Like, it's not important. And that makes the game more fun, is everybody's trying to give you a good game. They want to play well, but it's not a win-at-all-cost thing. Yeah, and that's that's sort of what's often burned me out on games like 4K, is when it's always tournament prep mode or always tournament mode, and you're never just playing a game for fun, it can be hard to enjoy it, and you just don't want to play anymore. You've got to find that happy medium of... Casual, yeah. relaxing, like recharge the batteries level play, versus okay, I'm gonna go exert myself in a tournament. Like you can't always be in that competitive mode, especially from a hobby standpoint. Because if you're always building towards the next tournament list, sometimes you never just like I want to paint this unit. Well, what, the other thing I was gonna say is a lot of like, uh, yeah, we, you you never work on your own uh, abilities as a general too. Like that's the thing you're always worried about what your opponent's gonna bring, what the meta is how I can respond to this particular list versus I just painted up this cool new unit. It's maybe not the best. Can I make it work? Can I make myself better as a player? And honestly, I will argue this till I'm blue in the face. I think that is the better path to being a better player anyway. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You look at the, the, and again, now I'll come back to top tournament players. They can win with things that are considered awful, right? Yeah. Like look at Sean Naden with his Lichter shame list where everybody was like, Tyranid Lictors, are you fucking kidding me? And then he just went out and stomped everybody at the LVO three years ago. Like, that's... Mathematically, they're bad. He just knew how to play it and was very good making that work. All right, And that's because he probably plays weird lists. And he's good. So why not work on making yourself good and do that as well in a casual setting? Where you're having more fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to play with models that you think are cooler and you're going to enjoy painting them more and you're going to... It's like... Everything yep. gets better with this attitude, and it's really cool to and see. And then when you do decide to pay, play competitively once or twice a year, whatever you do, you'll be better. Yeah, I think too. So fundamentally, the one piece that I would like to kind of throw out to everybody is: if you want your competitive scene to get better, embrace the casual side as well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Right. It's not about always prepping for the next tournament. It's not always about playing this specific point size. The more you play the game, you're going to foster more people to come and enjoy it. Yep. You're going to have more players to play with and against. And 
when you are getting to more competitive formats, you're going to be challenged in more unique ways. Well, you're, yeah, exactly. When you play casual games with weird scenarios, you start thinking about things in a different standpoint, like not just how do I beat this scenario all the time, right? Like you can think on the fly when things don't go to plan. Yeah. And you don't generally freak out when you lose a key unit or whatever else because you that happens when you're playing casually, right? Like That onslaught four years ago awards like, I'm not posting my scenarios early. You guys are just going to fucking play them when you get here. And you're just like, okay, let's yeah. see how this goes. And you had to deal with it on the fly. Like, I still maintain that that's what made me, like, when, when those couple years where I was, like, winning at Onslaught with my Space Marines, despite not having played 40k in forever, <laughs> I'd been playing Wood Elves for years when they were bad. Yep. Yeah. And so I was, like, playing Space Marines like Wood Elves, even though they could be better. Well, so it was, like, yeah. I don't know. I was just playing in an unconventional way and, like, winning on objectives. But you're also playing with an army that whether or not you had played it that much in that edition, you you had been playing that army for so long. And you knew some stuff that, like, correlated with your list, like that Frag Cannon Dreadnought that you had that <laughs> nobody saw coming as being that good. Yeah, Frag Cannon uh, Drop Pod Dreadnought was awesome. Yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> I didn't. Like, everybody's like, Dreadnoughts, you're bringing a Dreadnought in a Drop Pod? Why, and why only one? What is that ever going to do? <laughs> oh, it's First Blood in, like, every game I ever play. For, like, 120 points. It's so good. Just wrecking shit. <laughs> yeah, no, anyways, I think I think Casual's good, and I, I, I hope that's sort of helped in X-Wing, too, if that's a thing. I don't know. Uh, I haven't played X-Wing in a pretty long time, but... Uh, You're our closest thing to a resident X-Wing player, I guess. Oh, no, Ward, you play a ton. Uh, no, there I think all one. three of them stopped around <laughs> the same time. <laughs> no, Mike stopped long before we did. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I knew that. It's because you're the smart one. Shh, don't. <laughs> they don't. You'll hurt their feelings. <laughs> I still buy X-Wing. I just haven't played it in a while. I bought Wave 11 the other day. <laughs> I haven't bought mine yet because I don't have a permit. You guys address. are so casual, you don't even play. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Battletech, right? We're the funnest people to play because we're that casual. Yeah. Just get a beer and don't even play. Everybody wins. Yeah. Just talk about playing. <laughs> hey, Alexa. Hey Alexa, which one of us would have won if we had played? Hey Alexa, flip a coin. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, it sounds like we're all in agreement that casual is not a bad thing to have. Yeah, and it's awesome to see that it's coming back and making a movement, making a splash again. So, Ward, what's coming up in future events? Uh, we have the Edmonton Wargaming League uh, coming up here first at the end of August, August twenty sixth and twenty seventh at the Evansdale Community League. Uh, so you can contact uh, Arthur uh, about that. So is it a league or a tournament? I'm confused. It's a league, uh, but they run a yearly tournament, which is called the Edmonton Wargaming League Open. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's a bit confusing, but it is it is a year-round league. <laughs> this is their like wrap-up. My okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Saturday is a uh, four-game single day. Uh, it did get approved for ITC uh, as Sweet. well on the Saturday. Two th- um, twenty-two fifty uh, for points on the Saturday. So and make then, sure to beat Batman. And then Sunday is a two thousand point doubles. Uh, so players packs are up, and you can uh, check those out and such. Uh, in doubles sp- is fun. Double doubles is different. And new, like anything different from the norm, is always going to be a hoot. Yep. Uh, then on September second, we have uh, the Thunderground Steamroller Number Five. Uh, it starts at nine a.m. Uh, I might go. You might go. What? <laughs> Anyways, continue new, on. New life breathed into you. <laughs> 
Uh, and then in October, uh, we've got Onslaught, uh, October 21st, 22nd, 10 different game systems over the weekend. Lots of gaming going on, uh, late night gaming on Saturday, uh, even if we don't have the systems uh, over the weekend that you want to play, Saturday night uh, brings them out. We'll have Saturday night, table feel alright? Yeah, there's going to be like food and drink in the hall all night, right? And Battletech. Yeah, and, and Battletech. And Battletech. I'm just doubly quick, quickly double checking, there is a Blood Bowl tournament happening in... Calgary. Oh, I'm not that's, sure. Uh, that was like Blood Bowl. Blood Bowl. <laughs> yes, scare them away. That's, uh, I'm just trying to think. End of August, right? Yeah. I'm looking for the date right Very now. Very torn. Because I thought you might have it, but you did it. I know. I'm the worst. Faster, faster. Oh, it's going to... Oh no, where is it? So I think three of us are playing Drop Zone at Onslaught, sounds like. I am totally playing. There we go. I'll run a turn with Blood Bowl. Come on. Let's see if I can beat you to uh, the thing. August 26th. Mm. August 26th That's Sentry Box. Bash of the Box. And I won without a foam. There you go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, August 26th. It's a one-day event um, at Sentry Box. Go check it out. It should be really fun. Cool. Well, on that note... This has been another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. I'm Mike. And I'm Steve. And paint your fucking models, and stay cash, and stay hard. Oh. <laughs>